The Adventures of a Street Musician by Mickey Zeekley, Episode 2, The King of the Hippies. The 1960s were quite eventful, not least of the first love-ins. I started going to love-ins and playing my guitar or sitar. The Legion Park love-in was quite an event. I climbed up on stage and played my sitar wearing my bejeweled velvet magician's robe just before Jim Morrison and the Doors did their most infamous performance there. Parachuting hippies, half-naked barbarian women in leather, patchouli, incense, peace symbols, beards, long hair, the dusky odor of pot. I was playing the guitar and sitar at another lovin', wearing my velvet robe once again, and was photographed by a newspaper reporter. The next day, I found myself on the front page of the morning paper with the caption, King of the Hippies. All of a sudden, many of the mothers of my 40-plus guitar students called with one excuse or another, quitting their guitar lessons. Obviously, they did not want the king of the hippies teaching their kids guitar. My thoughts started turning to the stories I'd heard about what was going on in Northern California. The first seed of moving north got planted. The Hog Farm Blues I had a small cabin in Sunland, California, up a dusty road across the Washington River in Doan Canyon, adjoining the Angeles National Forest, right next door to Claude Doty's Hog Farm. Yes, he actually raised hogs. A group of interesting musicians Artists and wackos rented the mountaintop farm from Claude and started the infamous Hog Farm Commune. The royal couple of this marvelous land were Hugh Romney, now Wavy Gravy, and his consort Bonnie, now Jahanara. I would go to the farm whenever I could to play music with the diverse and interesting inhabitants. Almost every rock and roller of the 60s was there at one time or another. From the electric flag to Mike Bloomfield to tiny Tim wandering around the hills singing to his gramophone nestled in his arms. There was always a musical adventure to be had. I often slept on top of the hill at the hog farm. It was dawn, and I was stretching and looking down the hill at the farmhouse and amazed to see Paul Foster wearing a top hat and tails with ice skates literally flying through the screen door into space, taking the screen and all with him, sailing off what used to be the back porch before the porch was removed. Ah, one of the many interesting sights at the hog farm. Moving Walls 
When I was 18 years of age, my friend Charlie Chapman and I took to haunting the pawn shops of old Pasadena, trying to find old musical instruments. And one of our old banjo safaris, I found a new shop. The sign read, The Catacombs. With an arrow pointing down a flight of stairs going to a basement. Well, Charlie and I walked down the stairs and we were greeted by the walls with moving and undulating colors. It was just totally amazing. Well, my friend Charlie wanted to leave, but I wanted to see what this weirdness was all about. He went upstairs and said, I'll meet you at the car. I found a Dr. Henry Hill who had just invented the light show that morning at this unusual shop. I met the proprietor, Robert Donovan Thomas, who is to be my mentor for many years to come. I had been playing folk music on the guitar for a few years, but my knowledge of music in general was very limited. In Bob's office at the catacombs were all manner of antique flutes, strange stringed instruments, bagpipes, unusual ethnic drums, and much more. Bob had taken on the project of researching and restoring all of these, and even more amazing, learning to play them all in their traditional style. I had recently found an interest in making stained glass windows and smaller objects out of stained glass. I took my artwork into the catacombs and Bob would sell them for me. Well, I would find any excuse to go to the catacombs and visit Bob. It was always a, an amazing visit for me. Bob would take some of his antique instruments to the newly formed Renaissance Fair, which was a benefit for the nonprofit radio station KPFK. Bob would take an ancient set of bagpipes or a lute out to the fair, dress up in Elizabethan costume, and charm everyone. I started taking my guitar to the fair and playing for a few coins in the hat or a plate of fried chicken from a food booth. Bob and I started getting together and playing music, and I started to learn some of his wonderful tunes. A young couple, Ernest and Deborah Fishbach, were making music at the fair also with their friend Charles Ewing. They called themselves the Acid Symphony. Fame and Fortune Lonnie Smith was a great singer. I adored the rich quality of her hearty voice. We spent many months writing songs together. She would write the lyrics, and I would fit in a folk jazz melody and guitar accompaniment with it. We decided that we were good enough to make it and found a bass player, Peter, and a drummer, Russ, and formed a band. Lonnie and I wrote 10 great songs, and it was time for the big audition at the Troubadour for Metro Media Records. We looked good and sounded great. We were sure that we were just what they wanted. The producer loved us, and we felt that we were on our way to the big time. Lonnie and I were called in to a meeting with the record company Big Boys. They told us that they loved our music and wanted to promote us. The only problem was that they wanted us to wear silly outfits, 
change the lyrics and the music of our songs, get rid of the drummer and the bass player, and whitewash the band and sign a contract of indentured servitude. I turned 20 years of age, and it was goodbye slimy recording deals, goodbye rock band, goodbye L.A. forever. Go north, young man, to the green fields, forests, and adventures of your dreams. This podcast is a part of a series, Adventures of a Street Musician by Mickey Zeekley. The music that you've been hearing is from the album Fiona's Folly by Mickey and Elizabeth Zeekley. You can download Fiona's Folly on iTunes, CD Baby, and Amazon.com. You can find out more about Mickey Zeekley and Mickey and Elizabeth's music by going to CelticWeddingMusic.net.